Welcome to the Waiting Warriors podcast. As loved ones of first responders and military personnel, we often face life situations and challenges that many others don't experience. And while each of us and our experiences are unique, together we can learn from one another and become stronger in this journey of life. Now let's step out of mediocrity. It's time to thrive. Hi, Waiting Warriors. Welcome to another podcast today. I have a fun guest, Bridget Middleton. She is a Navy spouse of 20 plus years. Her husband just retired a year ago, right? Or just over a year? Yep, last October. That's crazy. So you're like on the opposite spectrum of what my husband and I are because we just started the active duty part. We've been reserves, but we just started active. So it's, it's fun. I'm excited to talk to somebody on the the flip side, huh? <laughs> I was going to say, like, light at the other end of the tunnel, but that's not quite it. It's not. <laughs> it's just on the opposite side. Um, so tell us, Bridget, you, I'm really curious because, well, first, tell us about your family. Okay, so uh, Chris and I have been married 23 years. Um, we met, actually, when he was in flight school in 1992, December, about, well, December 14th, 1992. So um, dated, I was in college still, so dated and then got married um, after he got his wings and moved to Washington State. Um, We have three children. Um, We had three children in about five years Mm -hmm. because that's what the schedule said we needed to do. (laughs) (laughs) Because he was home, right? Yeah. So that's what we did. They are now, um, gr- they're, they're young adults. Um, mm-hmm. Lindsay is our youngest and she is a freshman in high school. Uh, our son, John is 17. He's a junior in high school. And then we have a college daughter, um, Mary Catherine, who is a freshman at the University of Mississippi, or Ole Miss, as it's known, Hmm. um, affectionately known, um, who's actually um, starting her naval career in Navy ROTC at Ole Miss. She's a freshman and finishing up her first semester. So, um, yeah, so we live in Pensacola, Florida, um, which is funny because that's where we met and it's where Mm -hmm. our last duty station was and decided to stay and retire here because we love it. Yeah. So you're in the warm. I've got all this yes. cold <laughs> rain and sleet and you're going over. Yes. I'm jealous. Yes. We did do our fair share of time in the cold in the Pacific Northwest. Trust me. Yeah. 14 out of his 25 uh, plus years in the Navy were spent in Washington State. So I got tired of the cold. That's what, that's yeah. what Chris tells people. He retired in Pensacola because I got sick of the cold. <laughs> and growing up, I grew up in Louisiana, so it makes sense. There you go. Yeah. Why not? If you can, go to the beach. Yes. Um, so I'm curious, with 20 years, like over 20 years of experience as a Navy spouse, um, and by the sounds of it, you've come on top from what we've talked about. Like you have a strong marriage, you're close with your kids, you have a strong family. Does it make you nervous, though, having your daughter in ROTC committing to a similar life? Um, in her case, it doesn't. It makes sense to me. It has mm-hmm. always been something we kind of thought she was moving toward, mm-hmm. um, whether she knew it or not. Um, she, I think because we moved so much during her young life, um, it, it just made sense, I think, for her to, to want that for her future. You know, she, 
she's very resilient. And so as far as the lifestyle, I'm not really concerned about her Mm -hmm. and how she's going to adjust to that. Of -hmm. course, as a mom, (laughs) when your kid is going into a career, like, you know, it's, it's, it can be dangerous. She will Mm -hmm. be deploying in her, in her career. You know, if she sticks with RTC and gets commissioned after graduation. Um, Sure. I mean, as a mom, that's, that will be probably more nerve wracking than it was for when Mm -hmm. dad was away and deployed and flying. And, um, but I mean, that's just the nature of being a mom, I think. Right. Right. And yeah, you, you kind of worry more about your kids than you do about your husband. I think most people do. Isn't that so interesting (laughs) though? Cause it's like, you love your spouse, you love your spouse dearly, but I don't, I don't know. Cause I was thinking about it ever since we emailed and it's just like, why is that? And I was thinking, well, maybe it's because like I see my husband as this strong, capable, right? And I like I think it's probably hard. I mean, my oldest is right. Old. You I picture your kids as the, being, yeah. Capable, I mean, the first time I saw her in in camouflage and in in combat boots, right? It was just a few weeks ago, and it yeah. was just kind of jarring. Like, oh, okay, <laughs> this is what you're doing. You know, <laughs> it makes it very real because you picture them in their kindergarten picture. Right. You don't, you don't picture them doing adult things. So, yeah. um, so yeah, I mean, am I nervous for, I think, no, I mean, I, she's extremely capable. She's mm-hmm. so smart and she's very mature and, um, she's going to do great things in the world. So I'm not worried about that, but of course, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'm sure I'll worry. <laughs> I'm not really a worrier though. I will put that out there. Um, yeah. my mom, accuse me a lot I think in my young adult life of you don't worry enough you know it's very <laughs> trusting and I'm like I I don't and I don't know why that is I'm just sort of carefree when it comes to that to life in general I don't I don't like to waste time worrying about about things because it's a waste of time I mean what's yeah. going to happen is going to happen and you know I try to make the right decisions and you walk down the right path and hopefully good things will happen. Bad things will happen, of course, but I don't try not to worry about it. So anyway, I'm sure that attitude helped a lot as a military spouse though. Yes. Yes, for sure. Um, (laughs) and you know, and I encountered lots of spouses that were very much warriors, you know, Mm -hmm. they were, they were worry warts and, and, it's hard when you're not that type of person, you don't have that Mm -hmm. type of personality to be surrounded by people who are like, that is not really good. I mean, it kind of brings you down. So, and, and we talked about this in our emails. Um, so I would just always try to surround myself with positive people or Mm -hmm. people that were like-minded and that wasn't, it didn't always mean that those, it was the other spouses in our squadron or, you know, I had to kind of look outside of that, that group, Mm -hmm. um, sometimes too. So, um, you just got to find your people. So how, how did you find those positive groups of women? Like you're saying they weren't in your squad. They weren't always in well, your squadron. Well, most of the time they were in my squadron. Mm-hmm. So let me kind of back up. So I was, I was 22 years old, barely when Chris and I got married. So my entire adult life up until, and I'm going to be 46 on Monday. So my entire adult life was spent you know, basically is part of my husband's Navy career. Mm-hmm. So in the Navy, so to speak. Um, and so when we got married and I moved over 2000 miles away from my home state where I had lived, you know, my entire life, never moved. Um, 
I moved to Oak Harbor, Washington, which is on Whidbey Island, which is two and a half hours north of Seattle. So mm. it's very secluded. I mean, yeah. you have to take a ferry or a two, you know, very small two-lane bridge to get onto the island. And it's a very small town, but it was a very, very close-knit community. And it was a very Navy-centric community. So that was very fortunate, I think, because my first experience in the Navy um, or as a Navy spouse before we had children was um, with this group of women who, and it was all women at the time. There, mm-hmm. there are other, you know, there's, we've men in this squad. We have husbands and um, boyfriends and girlfriends and, and everything in this, mm-hmm. in this the, the family um, clubs now. But, um, but at the time it was a group of women and, and it was a very close knit group. And I was extremely fortunate to have a commanding officer's wife who cared so much about how we were doing, how we were doing when our husbands were away. And she was the, her name was Donna Phelan. I'm going to give her a shout out because Mm -hmm. she's amazing. And, um, she, she was the reason why I fell in love with being a Navy spouse. Cause she made that, that very first group of women was so fun. I mean, the deployment was six months long, a very first deployment. And Chris left, like Chris left from our honeymoon for two months. So like I literally, we came from our honeymoon, I dropped him off at an airplane and he left for two months. So, you know, I moved to my first duty station with him alone from Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Got, you know, he handed me the key of the house and said, I'll see you in two months. So <laughs> it was, yeah. So it was like trial by fire. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, you know, I was fortunate. I, I, at the time the, the Navy spouse club or Navy wives clubs, they were called the squadron mm-hmm. wives clubs were, um, were very, well attended and popular mm-hmm. at the time and very close knit. Mm-hmm. And we were always together. And I knew that I could call my CEO's wife anytime if I needed something and she would be there. So, and we took care of each other. Now, as you know, time moved on and the internet got, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of dating myself now. So <laughs> once people, you know, started developing relationships through social media and Mm -hmm. they could just email each other or people had cell phones, then, you know, communication and, and things like that. Like we went to the spouses club to get information about how our husbands are doing and what the schedule was. And you went to those meetings to get all that information and it's not like that anymore. So I think there's less of that going on. And as we went through the years, there was less of the, those tight knit groups. So I had to find other ways. And, and because we, had lived in Oak Harbor so many times throughout his career. Every time we'd come back, I started developing friendships with locals who were not mm-hmm. in the military, who were like me or, you know, who were more like-minded and positive. And I knew I could count on and, you know, and, it, and they knew they could count on me too. It wasn't just a one-way street, but, right. um, and a lot of those people I would find through church or through the gym or cause you know, fitness was a big um, outlet for me that when, when my husband would be gone. So, so yeah, I mean, just, it was a small town, so there weren't a lot of options Mm -hmm. (laughs) to, so I mean, but for the most part, the military spouse groups were were how I found my quote unquote instant friends, as Mm -hmm. we like to call it, you know, every time we moved, but yeah, you, you you do have to sometimes reach outside of those, those groups um, to find people like you. Right. I think it's interesting because like I hadn't thought of that before that, because here at Fort Campbell, they're really good at providing different groups for people to attend. But I've noticed, and I've only been here two months, but it's 
they're like trying to urge, especially the younger wives, like come to these events and these younger wives are having a harder time seeing the value. And, but it's interesting that before the value was inherent because that's where you heard about your spouse or whatever. And the added benefit that you maybe weren't thinking about is the community. And now I think, I don't know, it, it takes more, like you have to go get the community and that be what you're going, you're going for now mm-hmm. because yes. you get all the information. But yeah, I think those groups are priceless. Yeah. And, and to, no matter how many friends you have who are, who are not Navy spouses mm-hmm. who may be there for you and may, you know, take you out to dinner when you're feeling low or come over and keep you company. The only, the only people that are going to understand what you're going through are the other spouses that are going through it too. Yeah. So, so your friends who are not military or, or first responder spouses um, who are going through what you're going through, they'll be empathetic and they'll be helpful and, and all that stuff, but they'll still be a little bit, I think, inkling of, they just don't quite get it. Mm-hmm. And they also might not understand, you know, why are you putting yourself through this? Isn't this yeah. a choice? Isn't this voluntary? <laughs> yeah, it's voluntary. So, and yeah. I think that's really important too, to, to, for your frame of mind when you're in the middle of a deployment and, you know, you've got three kids with the flu and your car mm-hmm. broke down and your refrigerator's leaking and to, to try, right. You know, <laughs> I've so, had that summer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it's Little. Murphy's law. Whatever will yeah. go wrong, will go wrong. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, you know, it's important to try to take a step back and go, okay, this is not about me. The reason we are doing this is because, my, my, in my case, my husband feels a duty to his country and he's doing this and it's not, it's, it's for a bigger, it's bigger than me. It's, it's a bigger cause, right? It's not, it's not about me, you know, and, (laughs) and to understand your role in supporting his role in doing this mission that he's doing Mm -hmm. was so comforting to me at, at so many times that, I mean, I have this picture, um, that on one of my husband's last deployments, one of the um, public affairs officers took of him and it's, he's in his flight gear and he's on, it's on the aircraft carrier and he's in his flight gear, his helmet's on, he's carrying his, his bag and he's walking out to a jet to get into a jet to go fly a combat mission. Mm-hmm. And they snapped this picture of him and his head's kind of down and he's wa- and it's the back of him. And it, I got sent the picture. I think it might've been on the, the aircraft carrier's website during deployment or something. Mm-hmm. And I found it and I was like, that's my husband, you know, it was really cool. <laughs> and I was able to get a copy of the picture. And for his retirement, I had a really good friend of ours um, that actually was a family that we were friends with when we were dating here in Pensacola. And she's a grown woman now with a family, a husband and three children. And she's an artist and she's an incredible artist, um, Sarah Webb. And I had her, I commissioned a painting from this picture Mm-hmm. And, um, and it hangs in our dining room now. And I, when I was explaining to her why I wanted the picture paint, and I said, you know, I would look at this picture and go, this is why we're doing what we're doing at home because he has to go do this. And there's not a lot of, I mean, you know, he's not joyous in the picture. He's not excited mm-hmm. to be going and <laughs> doing this really hard job, but he's determined, right? He's yeah. like, I don't know. You know, I'm like, 
who knows what he's thinking? Is he praying on his way to the jet? Like, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it was like that picture that I just sort of held on to. And I would look at it when I was like going, why are we doing this again? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but we also always said, you know, this is right for us at this time. And as, as long as we keep thriving in this lifestyle and our children keep thriving in this lifestyle, mm-hmm. we're going to keep doing it. And then we'll know when it's time to stop doing it. And, you know, and when we got here and our children were teenagers and they started high school and it was going to be a really, if we were going to move again, it was going to be not just one more move. It was going to be two or three more moves Mm -hmm. while our kids were in high school. And we just looked at each other and we're like, we we're done. Like this is Mm -hmm. it. So we got to, so, you know, there's always that you have to balance, right? So you have to, we have this duty to our country that we want to fulfill that we are very passionate about. And, mm-hmm. and as a family, we support my husband's passion to do that. And, but then again, as a father also, and a mother, we have to take care of our family too. So, you know, you have to just kind of balance that out and go, when is it time to put the family first and not the duty first? And so right. in the end, that's, that's what brought us to Pensacola and kept us here. And, and um, right. he ended up retiring. So. When I like, I like what you said that as long as the family was thriving. So it sounds like you guys, like you guys had the goal of to not just get through it, but to, you know, not just be in survival mode the whole time, which I'm sure there were time periods where you were in survival mode. Oh, sure. Yeah. But overall, like the goal was to still thrive. Oh yeah. No, I have a very basic rule about life that if I'm not having fun, then I'm not going to do that anymore. (laughs) So, you know, and not just fun, but if it's, if it's not, if it's something that we're doing that isn't worthwhile, that's not giving us joy, Mm -hmm. then why are we doing it? You know, it's, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's, you know, it's like I said, I wrote down some notes about just, we've always had very open minds about where we're going to move to and, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think you have to do that. I think you just have to be like, okay, we're very, very open to whatever and all these adventures and experiences that we're going to have um, if we go into it with that kind of attitude, like this is an adventure. And, and we always did with our kids when we would tell them, okay, we're moving again. And sometimes it was after only a year or a year and a mm-hmm. half in one place. Like, well, guess what? We're moving again. Well, where to? Well, Hawaii. you know, or whatever. And it's going to be a great adventure and it's going to be fun. And I don't know how long we're going to be there and I don't know where we're going to live and whatever, but we're going to do this together. And so basically what happened was, is our oldest daughter, which is funny because she's sort of one of the reasons why we, not one, not the main reason, but, um, but we watched her go to three different schools in sixth, seventh and eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And that was very difficult for her. And right. then in eighth grade, we moved to Pensacola and she started another school and mm-hmm. she finally got to the point where she was su- super happy. And I mean, it took a while. It was a rough transition for her. Um, I mean, of course it would have been for any, for any kid, yeah. you know, um, but she, she finally got happy and found her people and, you know, found, made the soccer team and just all this stuff. And then there was an opportunity for us to guess, Hey, congratulations. (laughs) You've been selected for, you know, whatever. And it's time to move again. And we were like, wait, what? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't think this is the path we need to go down anymore because we gotta, we gotta throw the life ring, you know, to the kids and and just take care of them now. Cause they've been 
they've been on this train their whole lives. They didn't know any different. So Mm -hmm. it has been really funny though, like finally being in one place for, (laughs) for longer than about three years, (laughs) we're going on five years in the spring that we've been in Pensacola now. And it's so weird. It's so bizarre not to be. Do you feel like you should, I was going to say, do you feel like you should just be moving and. I do. I get on Zillow and I'm like, (laughs) we have had three houses in Pensacola though, which is kind of funny, not by choice, but we, Mm -hmm. we, couldn't get base housing when we moved here so we rented a place lived there for about a year or so and then moved on base and then when he retired we bought a house so we're on address number three in Pensacola but we'll be here for a while don't worry so we can write this address in pen not pen I tell all my my friends for Christmas card's sake I should put that on my Christmas card actually yeah that's funny because we just had family ask for addresses and all that kind of stuff and um like every every Christmas we have been at a different address for the last six years of our for our six years of marriage wow and and I was like you can keep this address for at least one more Christmas (laughs) we're gonna be here um, if you, but you know, a lot of people don't get it, they, yeah. but if you know, you know, Yeah. <laughs> if you know, you know, yep. so, and that's, that goes back to the idea of only the people that are going through what you're going through, mm-hmm. get it. No, they, they're the only people that understand. So, yeah. and even our families who love us, you know, love us so hard and, and would do anything for us. I mean, gosh, my parents would hop on a plane and fly to wherever we were a couple times a year, you know, and, um, and it's funny because my mom, my sis, I have two much younger half sisters and my youngest sister is 20 years younger than me. So she's 26, I guess now. Mm-hmm. And um, she came to visit us in Pensacola and lo and behold, met a Navy pilot and <laughs> got married to him. And she is now basically reliving my whole life. So yeah. <laughs> they live in Virginia Beach. She's having a baby. He's going to be leaving probably a couple weeks after the baby comes. You yeah. know, it's just, it's all happening over again. It's really funny. I tell her all the time, it's like watching a movie of my life happening, yeah. it, like in real life. But um, that's funny. But yeah, so, so it's, you know, it's great. It's, I, we loved every single bit of our, of our Navy life. Um, Mm -hmm. It was great. It was great until it was time to leave. And we knew it was time to leave. That's the important thing to know when it's sort of time to hang it up and put some roots down. And, um, and for us, it was, it was a family decision. It was because Mm -hmm. we need to, we need to take care of our kids. We don't want to mess them up. You know, we want them to make it through high school going to the same high school with all the same kids for four years. And, um, and that was just on our priority list. It kind of always was. So. Yeah. When I, I, I like what you're saying though, cause you did those, those few moves where your daughter was struggling and you guys kind of pushed towards that. So it's not like you, you know, no one can say you gave up or anything like that. And it's, like you just realized over time that that was what your family needed. So I like that it was a, a thoughtful consideration. I do. Have- yeah. And I mean, and by no means were, I mean, we moved, we, you know, we moved like nine times Yeah. in, in, in 20, it was nine times. Yeah. yeah. And in 25 years and, um, and we were lucky because the ba- the plane that he flew was, station basically at this one base and in, in mm-hmm. on Whidbey Island. So even when we did leave Whidbey, we always went back after a year or 
two yeah. or two years or whatever, we always went back there when he would go back on um, on sea duty or, you know, flying in a flying st- when he'd be in a flying status where he'd be flying the jet again. Mm-hmm. So we had a house there that we bought when we were first married and we always went back to the same house. So we had a lot of stability as far as that was concerned, because mm-hmm. we knew we had the same neighborhood to go back to. And our neighborhood was a lot of retirees. So it was, you know, we were sort of the kids that would come and go. But um, so they were always there sort of waiting for us when we got back, which was comforting and nice. So we did have some stability, even though mm-hmm. we were in and out a lot. Um, but, you know, we lived some pretty cool places and we made the best of it when we were there. But and yeah, I mean, sure, it was rough sometimes with three kids ages, you know, six and under mm-hmm. <laughs> and and workups and deployments and, and all that stuff. And so it's there were lots of times when it wasn't easy. And and that's when there, there are times where you just need to ask for help. And mm-hmm. th- I think that's really important, too. I think that's one of the keys to being successful, like not being an island and, and knowing that there are people when someone offers to watch your kids so you can go get your hair done or, you know, just go to the library and read books for, you know, mm-hmm. for an afternoon or do whatever it is that makes you happy, whatever it is that it re re-energizes you or recharges your batteries. Um, you know, for me, it was exercise. So when I had a friend that would say, Hey, I'll come watch your kids so you can go for a run. I'd be like, okay, <laughs> what yeah. time are you coming over? Can you come now? You know, yeah. you have, but so to, to understand and to not be so proud to, to not ask for help. You know, I'm, I always ask for help. I'm not, you know, I'm not ashamed <laughs> of that at all. Um, I ask a lot of questions of my husband. I think that's important too. Like you, knowledge is power when it comes to the, these situations. And mm-hmm. um, fortunately my husband loves to talk. Chris, mm-hmm. Chris is a big talker. Anybody that knows him knows that. So he was always real happy to share as much information as he could, of course. Right. There was a lot of stuff that he couldn't tell me. But, um, but you know, just knowing how it all works. And, and again, like from the very beginning, he was always very transparent with me about, um, hey, you know, f- even when we're dating, like if we're going to be together long term, you need to understand that this is what life in the Navy looks like. Like, you know, I'll be gone. I'll be gone for six mm-hmm. months at a time. You know, he was gone for our first three years of marriage, he was gone over half of those first three years. So, you know, so you, you understand. Yeah. 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 So, so, but he was very good at explaining all that to me on the front end before I said yes to his proposal. You know what I mean? Like I knew what my life was going to be like. I mean, I kind of knew, I mean, you're never fully prepared for all the stuff that's going to happen, but, um, so, you know, the spouses that would have that would really struggle were the ones that didn't have the information that just really went into that lifestyle, really clueless about, you know, my husband's on a ship. What? For how long? You know, they they were the ones that really had a hard time. And and so I think that the 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 service member has a responsibility to sort of prepare their families, too. Um, yeah. And fortunately, the service like the, the army and, and the all of the military services are very good at, I think they are very good now at, you know, briefs and information and, and family groups where you get so much support. I mean, the bases have so much of a support system and to, I think you need to really use those tools that 
are available to you, like, mm-hmm. and not be ashamed about asking for help. Um, and take your friends up when they want to babysit your kids, you know, or take them up on it or your parents. If your parents want you to come home for, you know, I would go home when the kids were little before they were in school. I, I would, I would pack them up and drive cross country and, you mm-hmm. know, and with the dog and the goldfish and a <laughs> big gulp cup, that's not a joke. I really, we, the goldfish lived in a big gulp cup in the cup holder. <laughs> On a cross-country trip. We did it. It survived. If you can believe that. Um, it was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, just, and I would drive my kids to my parents and we'd spend, you know, uh, three weeks, six weeks, whatever, whatever it took to, to kind of get my head back on straight. And then we'd, and then we'd go back and, um, you know, and so I give my, my sister that advice as a new Navy spouse, um, and I think she's taking it. She seems to be, you know, finding a really solid group of friends and, um, mm-hmm. and people and they all kind of take care of each other, which is nice. But, um, but I also told her now, listen, don't go home to mom for like the entire six months of the deployment, the deployment, right. cause you really need to be part of your squadron and, and a part of that, that thing. Cause you're going to miss so much fun if you, if you do that. And, and you want those relationships that you established during those times are so important. I mean, some of my best friends still to this day were, you know, the, the women that when our kids were little and our husbands were deployed, you know, we're like, well, I guess we're just going to spend the whole weekend together and mm-hmm. have like a giant sleepover because we need each other. And, you know, we're just going to hang out and we clean each other's houses and we, you know, take care of each other's kids and, I mean, we even had at one point, um, the ladies in our, my neighborhood had a babysitting co-op where we would, you know, trade hours of babysitting and, and you know, we kind of tracked it. So nobody right. got, got the brunt of the, the, the bad end of the deal. But, um, and my friend Amy and, and a bunch of other girls in the neighborhood, um, some were Navy spouses, some were not, but, you know, we had a babysitting co-op for a while and, that was so helpful, you know, when the kids were little and the guys were gone. And, um, but yeah, I mean, now to this day, like our best, our very best friends are still our, our, you know, Chris's uh, pilot from when they were on their, you know, like second deployment together and they flew all these combat missions together. And his wife is to this day, one of my very best friends and we travel with them. And so you just form these super tight bonds and, um, in those times, those sort of trying times. And that's important too. So, so kind of going into running home to your parents or or whatever it is that Mm -hmm. you're doing to try to make your life easier. Um, you know, don't be afraid to kind of face it, face it independently, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And, um, because you get a lot back from that. I think you become stronger, you know, if you, when you go through those things, I think you become a much stronger person um, overall throughout your life and find really great friends. I'm yeah. babbling now. I'm sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> um, one question I want to, you mentioned a few times that you guys had a very, you especially had a very positive outlet. Um, but how did you keep that positive outlook? Because I feel like it's really easy it'd be really, really easy to lose that when you're in either military or first responder wives, just because of what our loved ones are doing. It's not awesome hours or deployments or just the stress of they are in danger or whatever. So how did you keep that positive outlook? 
Um, I think that my faith played a huge role in that. Um, I think that was a very comforting thing for me to sort of um, have that trust that, I, I mean, I don't, faith, I guess, is the best yeah. part of that answer. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, I mean, just like I said, I, staying busy, I think not trying not to overthink it, trying not to overthink um what could be happening, what could be going wrong. I think if you get bogged down in those details about what they're doing day to day when they're mm-hmm. gone, um, I think that's very, very overwhelming. And so um, it's not to say that I had a positive outlook every single day, you know, of every single right. deployment. I mean, everybody has their bad days. But um, for me, staying busy and staying engaged with a group of friends that, um, and we, you know, we did a lot. We were very, we, I was never home. I mean, the house was empty even before kids. You know, I found that, of course, we lived in a beautiful place where there was so much to do. And, and I love the outdoors. So that was helpful too. But, um, you know, we would go just, hey, we're doing a girls weekend and we're going skiing and this is what we're doing. And we're not going to sit around moping and waiting for the phone to ring um, mm. or waiting for that email to come through. And I will say on the, our very first deployment, there probably in the second deployment, there was no email at all. So, and no telephone. I mean, there were occasional satellite telephone calls, but um, for the most part, there was no email. So there's very little communication. So what he and I did um, for our first probably two or three deployments before we had a reliable email system between the ship and home, um, we wrote letters to each other every single day on paper and we would date the backs of them so that if they came out of order, which they always Always came out of order. Um, so I, you know, that was helpful to me. I looked forward to having that letter to read every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was helpful. Um, I think fitness, I think staying, I think staying healthy, physically healthy, um, was a good distraction for me, but also, um, was good for my, my mental health. Um, oh, yeah. so staying fit and, um, going to the gym and typically people that are at the gym are pretty positive people who are, <laughs> you know, into living good, healthy lives. So that was good too. Um, I started running, you know, and I was not an athlete growing up, not until I was an adult did I discover that, um, I loved, I loved to be, fit and exercise and I like to sweat <laughs> I was the mm-hmm. dancer and I played piano and you know I, I mm-hmm. didn't I wasn't into sports but um I am now and but yeah I mean I think I I think staying on that positive that track all contributed to me having a positive attitude and not letting the naysayers get me down you know yeah. I mean you learn kind of over time. And at first, you know, everybody makes mistakes and I'm, I'm a very open and welcoming kind of person, kind of personality. And so I would, I would make these friends and then kind of realize, Oh, that's not really the kind of friend I want. You know, they're yeah. always bashing the Navy or bashing the squadron or, you know, not happy with how things are going. And, and that really rubs off on you. And I think you get better over time at learning. Okay. Hey, it's very nice to meet you, but you know, that person might not be your people, you know, you got to find your people and find the people that are going to have a positive influence on your life too. So, yeah. So 
like and that. also and margaritas helped actually well. <laughs> margaritas are super helpful in case you're wondering <laughs> and that goes all the way back to that very first uh, spouses club that I was in um, so that that's very helpful that's funny yeah um last question okay what is your key to thriving or any last advice that you want to share with your fellow waiting warriors um, I mean, gosh, I think we covered a lot of it, but, um, I think, I think keeping an open, being open-minded and treating the whole lifestyle like it's an adventure, it's not forever. It's not going to be your mm-hmm. whole life. You're not going to be moving around your whole life. Sort of understanding that it's, it's just a time in your life. It's going to be a, a time in your life that you'll look back on someday and go, wow, that was really cool that we did that. And it was an adventure. Yeah. Um, but also communicating, communicating, communicating with each other, talking to each other about what's bothering you, what you don't understand about what's going on. Um, and again, they might not be able to tell you everything, but, um, I think if you don't ask the question, um, you're, you're not going to get any answer. So even if you get a partial answer or something that helps you, I think communicating in, in any relationship, not just with your spouse, just with your friends and with the people you work with, just, just having open lines of communication and, um, you know, Chris and I would, he would call from the ship. Of course, when he was the CEO, he had a phone in his room. So that was nice. So we would get to talk more often, but we would start every conversation off with, in case we get cut off, I love you. (laughs) Okay, great. Okay. Now what? Okay. Let me tell you all the, let me ask you all the questions about the bills that I need to ask you first. So like (laughs) we would get all that stuff out of the way in case we got cut off. But I mean, the communication piece is just, I mean, even when they're home every day, it's important. He's home now, you know, it's weird. <laughs> he's home every day. Like, but can you go to the other room? Well, and he we'll does. He's, he's talk, actually been talk, traveling from the other room. <laughs> I know. And it's funny because it's an adjustment too on this end, on the, like you said, on the, on the backside of, of, of the, um, the career, the military career, whatever it's still like you, it's still an adjustment. I mean, any relationship you're in is going to take work. And, and it's, it, if you're not working at a relationship, if you're not cultivating a relationship, then it's like a plant, you know, it's, it's dying. It's, if you're not, mm-hmm. if you're not fertilizing it and watering it and trying to make it better every day, then it's either not going to grow or it's going to die. So, you know, the, just trying to do making when they are home, making the best of those times when they are home, you know, and, um, yeah taking time just the two of you leave the kids home and go on a weekend trip we still do that now our kids are teenagers now so it's a lot easier yeah but I mean at least once a year we'll do a trip just us or you know we'll, and we'll go on date nights and we'll do that stuff but um those things are so important you have if you don't have that that really strong relationship it's going to make being separated so much harder so yeah. you really have to work on that um you know, just be, you know, be a friend. Don't, don't always assume the worst and assume that your spouse always has your best interests, um, at heart They're They, they love you the most. And that's, if you just keep telling yourself that he's not doing this because he's, you know, out to get me or <laughs> he's, it's, you know, always assume the best, right. Always assume yeah. that, that, that they have your best interests at heart instead of assuming the opposite. Um, so, and communicate, communicates the key. Um, and make good friends Yep. and take care of yourself. Oh my gosh. Take care of yourself. That's so important. 
mentally and physically, right? right? Well, because they feed into each other, that's for sure. Yep. Well, thank you so much for this interview. I feel well, I was going to say well-fed, but that's like a very churchy thing to say. No, I like it. Whatever. Okay. We can be churchy. I'm churchy. We can be churchy, yeah. <laughs> My husband's a chaplain, guys. Oh, is it's he? Part See, of I our... didn't even know that about you. That's cool. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. I had no idea. Yeah. So We just met y'all, by the way, in yeah. case you're wondering. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much. I feel like I'm, I'm just, I'm well fed. That's like the best description. So thank you so much for sharing. You're welcome. It was my pleasure. Hey everyone. I have a favor to ask. If you have enjoyed this podcast, can you leave a review and subscribe? I promise it just takes a second and that will help more people find this podcast. Also, I'd love for you to join us in our Facebook group. Just go to facebook.com slash The Waiting Warrior, click groups, and then The Waiting Warriors. Until next time, have an awesome day.